If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Improv still terrifies me to this day. I was doing it for the the, the skill, to, to learn this skill, to be comfortable for confidence and for like, you know, and also for the community. I made a lot of great friends there, and mm-hmm. we then branched out and did other things, as you know. Yeah. You 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 said it, it terrifies you. Yeah. Are, do you... There's no, there's no lines, Brian. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, I know. You gotta make them up. I know. <laughs> yes, and that's terrifying. It's stupid. Shakespeare's got all planned out for you. Hi, my name is Rob Cordry, and I am a gentleman. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a brand spanking new episode of Off the Beat. As always, this is your host, Brian Baumgartner. Now, as you just heard, today I'm bringing on a very exciting guest, the incredible, the hilarious, my friend and yours, Rob Cordry. Maybe you know him as Lou from Hot Tub Time Machine or from his time playing Dr. Blake Clowns 
on Children's Hospital, or maybe even from his latest conquest as the host of Top Gear America, whatever it is, you know him because he's been on just about every movie ever made. That's right. I mean, this is a man who came up during what some could argue is the most exciting times in the history of comedy, the birth of UCB, the Upright Citizens Brigade, and then on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. He took everything that he learned there to go off, to adapt, and to create true greatness. And that's what he continues to do to this day. So yeah, he's a he's a pretty cool guy. And also, he's a good guy. I mean, he said it himself. The man is a gentleman. So now that that is out of the way, it's time to bring Rob on. I am so excited to share this conversation with you. Rob Cordry, everybody. Bubble and squeak. I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning. Left over from the night before. What's up, Rob? What's going on, Brian? How are you, man? I'm so good. Thank you so much for coming to talk to me. Oh my God! Thanks for having me. Uh, where Where are you right now? I'm um I'm in my home? office, my home office. Yeah, my okay. uh, my illegal garage conversion. <laughs> Perfect. Well, as long as you don't sell, there's nothing illegal about it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I guess I'm stuck here. I am. Uh, I'm coming to you. This is the first first time on the road from Atlanta, Georgia, in a hotel. That very bizarre pomegranate. It's pomegranate. It looks weirdly both sexual and kind of grotesque. Yeah, that's an odd hotel art behind you. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's pomegranate. It's like a intense yeah. close up on pomegranate seeds. Yeah, but do you think the artist was really like it's a metaphor somehow? I don't know <laughs> if that artist was thinking pomegranate seeds. <laughs> It's probably something to do with genitalia. Okay. Yeah, you're probably right. It's that whole Georgia O'Keefe thing. I am in Georgia. So there you go. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thanks for talking to me. I am such a huge fan of you. Oh, same. And yours. I want to start going back to the beginning with you. You grew up in uh, in Massachusetts. Waymouth. Wait, that how you wait. say it? Actually, you know what's so funny is that I've never heard anybody pronounce it like that, but it's the most obvious pronunciation, isn't it? <laughs> I guess. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, no, it's yeah, it's Weymouth. Um, Weymouth. Nothing in Massachusetts is pronounced like it's spelled. Right. For instance, the city right smack in the middle of Massachusetts, uh, W O R C E S T E R, oh, looks like. Worcester or something. Yeah, what, is it Worcestershire? It's Worcester. It's, like it's Worcester. Oh, it's Worcester. Worcester. Right. <laughs> of course it's Worcester. <laughs> Describe your town. Three words or five. Uh, chip on shoulder. Got it. Okay. That's clear. And I now know exactly what your town was like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, were you Were you always interested in the arts? 
Um, yes and no. I guess abstractly, I wasn't necessarily uh, interested in the. I I, w- I love to draw. Okay. I love to write, but I never. I would never, as a kid, say that meant I was interested in the arts. Does that make any sense? Like, yes, I, no. Maybe, I think that's that sort of blue-collar Boston upbringing, whereas, like, no one does the arts, dude. Right. Arts, you know, they're for fairies and fruitcakes. <laughs> and uh, so so I guess I, I was, like, um, yeah, very sensitive kid, but, but uh, it took a while for me to realize that. I, like, I watched some home movies of myself, and... I was like, God, I was way more quiet and hmm. anxious looking than I remember being. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. Uh, you asked me about, about what was my upbringing like, right? Or town? What, yeah, what well, yeah, again? like like in terms of the arts and oh, the arts, it, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so that I guess um, lends itself. That sensitivity lends itself to uh, broadly preferring the arts over something like sports or pipe fitting right right i have read that you described yourself as as a class clown now was that about performing or was that about coping or oh coping for sure it was totally any talent i have now especially in comedy has to do with avoiding fights it Mm. was kind of like I was um I worked in this restaurant in New York and this uh busboy had just gotten out of prison. And I, and we became friendly and after a while he told me I would do good in prison. He was like, "You do good in prison." I was like, "You know I would not. Are you kidding me?" I was really a lot prettier back then, by the way. Right. <laughs> and um and and he said, "No, you're funny." And I was like, "Oh my god. Well, that's how I got through childhood. Everybody in my town was like, their fathers were from Southie and, you know, their cousins beat the crap out of them because they weren't from Southie anymore. They were from Weymouth. Right. And, and, and then they just transferred that onto everybody else. And it was a tough, it was a, it was a, it was a scary town. It was, (laughs) I, I, I remember it being scary. I, uh, that said, it, you know, I it was a good childhood overall. Right. You you became an Eagle Scout. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's right. Im- that's impressive. Well, thank you. I yeah. um uh, it was uh yeah. I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah, okay. I, um, yeah, you just I, did that. That was the I, thing you did. Thank you very much. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when 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 uh you 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 ended up going to UMass. When did you start to think that theater was something that you were interested in doing? Well, I never got along with the guys in high school that used to do theater. They were in a class above me. Okay. As a matter of fact, speaking of fights, I got into a fight with one of them at a party over a girl. And so it was... I, I, I just didn't want to be part of that whole thing. Although I thought, I can do that. Okay. You know, just instinctively thought I could right. do it. And then when they graduated senior year, I ended up doing two plays. The only two plays that were offered, basically, in my high school. And and then when I went to college, I didn't do anything my freshman year. I, just, I guess I had considered that sort of a lark. And uh, then my, I had a roommate 
first semester sophomore year named Cutter. He was, uh, we were very like-minded and uh, he, he signed me up for a play. He just okay. signed me up for an audition and, and we both, and I, you know, so I was like, oh man. So uh, <laughs> I went in and did the audition and we both ended up getting it. Okay. So uh, that, that was, so it's, it's really like uh, not of my doing it's that cutter. I ended up here today talking <laughs> to you. It's Cutter. It's Cutter. Yeah. Did he, uh, did he pursue it later on yeah. or no? Oh yeah. Oh. He's still doing it now. He's a, oh, okay. uh, he's a pretty successful voice actor. Okay. And you know he shows up on TV and and film sometimes too, and does his does his stuff. Writes, I believe. Uh, Is this John Cutter? No, his name's uh, uh, Cutter Garsha. Cutter Garsha. Okay. Yep. Uh, well, shout out to Cutter Garsha. Thanks, Cutter. Yeah, I I read this. This is so interesting to me because no joke. I, I don't know how old you are, but I feel I had a weird attachment to this movie as well. I read that a big influence of yours was the 1981 movie Arthur. Yeah. Why? Yeah. why how and why? <laughs> yeah, my wife bought that for me for my birthday one year just because she liked, she enjoyed watching me watch it. Okay. Um, how, indeed, right? Um, I guess it was because I grew up in that era when HBO was in its infancy, you know, and right. and there were... In those days, if you had HBO, and there was just that HBO at one yeah. point, and they would just play certain movies on a loop. Yeah. And, um, you know, Arthur was one of them. Uh, and Arthur 2 on the rocks. On the rocks. <laughs> Doesn't hold up as well as it, No, it, do, it does not. Let's be uh, clear. Yeah. But uh, so that, you know, like Silver Streak, I remember being a big, like having a big moment. On okay. HBO, and yeah, and but Arthur was just the best one of 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 all of them, at least that I can remember. And so I just I got into college, and and uh, I had another roommate who had it on VHS, and we just watched it over and over and over again. And then that just it just stuck with me. It's it's something that it's that one movie I can probably quote verbatim. Wow. Yeah. Did you ever meet Dudley Moore? No. no, I don't know if I'd want to. I, I don't know what I'd say to a guy like that. <laughs> I usually blow it with guys like that. I, I really make ass. I make an ass out of. Oh, classically, yeah. Why? What do you mean? Like you get awkward if if you, <laughs> you know, if you really love them or respect them? Yeah, and I don't even know I'm doing it. Like at the Daily Show, Stephen King was the guest, and I was like, you know, I never went and bothered the guests, but I, but he was such an inspiration and influence on me. I'd read all his books. I still think he's one of the greatest American storytellers. Yeah. And I said to him, I said, I just wanted to say what a big fan I am. And he went, Oh, thank you. Hey, yeah, you're from Boston, right? Go Red Sox. Like, and so I was like, Oh my God, we were, uh, it's, it's terrible when they give you an inch. And I went, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I know you got to prepare. I'm uh, I'm just your biggest fan. And I said as I I said it in a way that he must have thought I was like quoting misery or something. Oh. In that annoying way that in that annoying way fans do and oh, he just no. kind of like his smile just kind of went away and he went, <laughs> "Well, just don't cut off my feet." And yeah. then he turned around slowly. He turned his back on me. 
Oh no. That is the mildest of weird (laughs) fails I've had with celebrities. Uh, I don't know. That is, uh, it's pretty bad, right? That's pretty, that's pretty bad. As you're saying it, realizing you're quoting one of the famous lines of hit. Yes. Yeah. I had no idea. I wasn't, I wouldn't do that. I mean, I, yeah, some sense. (laughs) (laughs) So cutter gets you into the plays. Mm Mm-hmm. You start doing the plays, then you you get cast mm-hmm. in an off Broadway production of the Manchurian Candidate. So, yeah. are you at this point? You're interested in theater, right? Acting. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I went. You know, when, when I in in college, once I got that one play, I was off and running, and I joined the theater department. I had a, a second major in theater, and then. At the, I remember with my, I, I had one of the, an acting teacher you probably had when everybody does one of those gurus yeah. that you never forget. And yes. his name was Ed Golden. And he said to me, he called at right before we graduated, he had a little conference, personal conference with all his students. And he said to me, um, and I'm, by the way, doing a perfect imitation spot okay. on of Ed Golden. All right, let's he go. Goes, let's, um, let's go. So uh, do you think, um, you want to do this uh, for a living? And I went, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think, I think so. And he goes, uh, yeah, you can. <laughs> so he just like matter of factly gave me permission you can, you can to live. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I went to New York the day after I graduated. Wow. Yeah. And you, well, so you start working odd jobs. Oh yeah, uh, you were a security guard at the Met. Yeah, very odd jobs. What was the what was the oddest job you had? I was passing out, probably passing out menus for a Mexican restaurant in Hell's Kitchen. Oh, I hate those. I hate that people. I, I mean, I don't hate <laughs> oh, the people who the do worst. that job. Oh. I don't hate the people that do that job. I I find it so awkward. But it's so weird because the guy. It was a daily, every day for the first for a couple hours in the morning and he the owner would look at me and and he wasn't mexican i'm so i don't know what his accent was i'm just doing an appropriation he said uh just every time you give out the flyer say good mexican food oh no so he had to hit a flyer go good mexican food (laughs) And I would, I learned that thing where you, if you take one flyer and you smack it on the rest of them, it's like, a, and, and it gets people's attention. Yes. Cause they and think you're finally, about to hurt them. Yeah. After about a week or two of doing that, I just would throw them away and go sleep in central park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, 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 yeah. Let me be clear. I don't hate the people who do that job. I hate that job being done. I hate to that me. job. Yeah. I hate that I job mean, being done to me, though, as someone walking yeah. along the street. God bless Los Angeles, because we have a very specific version of that, which is wonderful. The the, the sign spinners. Yes. The sign spinners. I don't know if that exists anywhere else. Do you? <laughs> No, I never thought about I it don't before. I think it does. I've never seen it anywhere else. <laughs> well, it's because you're driving. Yeah. So you, yeah. And in New York, if you if you spun the sign, you would hit 14 people. Here, yeah, right. it's it's your virtual handing yeah. of the menu because it's you're in a car. 
But nobody can read the side, which is the best part. No, I know. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at Zen.com. That's Z-Y-N.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. 
We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So then, as I said... You get cast in an off-Broadway production of The Manchurian Candidate. You then go on tour with the National Shakespeare Company. So at this moment, you are a, you are a serious actor. Yeah, I did. A Manchurian Candidate was probably the only play I did uh, in New York that wasn't Shakespeare. Okay. I, I fancied myself uh, quite a Shakespearean thespian. Uh, Me too, time. by the way. I don't oh, know if Dale, you know yeah? that. Yes, I was at the Guthrie many times, did Neat. many uh, Shakespearean uh, productions myself. I now get made fun of it because people think I, I, when I say it, they think that I'm trying to take myself seriously. No, it's just a, a point oh, of fact. Silly. I did, I did plays that were written by Shakespeare. Yeah, and man. And, and by Chekhov. the way, Shakespeare uh, in his day, I used to teach a little course along with that National Shakespeare Shakespeare Company job about Shakespeare and uh, and and to students and and the thing about Shakespeare is that he was like the Michael Bay of his day. This was right. schlocky. <laughs> right. It was not upper crust stuff. This was for the the groundlings, the like right. rabble. And you know, it was uh, that's why he repeats things over and over again because no one can hear it the first time they were all yes. beating each other up and drinking but uh yeah so i i i it's funny when people think of it as as so highbrow you know yeah i mean the stories are fairly just u- universal and, and simple and the comedy yeah. is not highbrow at all oh my god he like coined so many dirty phrases and yes you know hamlet i believe I don't know if it's the first, you know, it couldn't be, but he, he references like, I'm, I'm, I'll refrain from saying the actual word cause it offends so many people, but the C word, the, he, the C word. he says, uh, yeah. Hamlet says, um, to Ophelia may, uh, lady may I lay in your lap? And she says, no, my Lord. And he says, no, I meant my head in your lap. Did you think I meant country matters? <laughs> it's Shakespeare popping <laughs> off the C word. Got popping it off. That's because that's what he meant. Did you think I meant country matters? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what was it like being on the road touring with oh, an acting awesome, company? Man, it was yeah. awesome. I was 24 and 25 years old. I was there doing it for about a year. 
there was uh, a 15 pass van and another van that two people were in with all the the, the sets and it we we did the crappiest Shakespeare ever, but oh. uh, you know it was not a great production. Oh, wasn't you weren't proud of it? Oh well, I was at the time. I thought we okay. were changing theater, but uh, okay, it was. Uh, but you know that it, the, the I've made I made friends that I've I still have to this day, and uh, it was such. And I got to see the country really for the first time. Um, it was. Uh, pretty awesome and also just doing something like that for that long doing two mm -hmm. plays for that long was um an education as well in an acting education like how you keep it going how you you know get up and do it each night and make it fresh and blah 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 yeah i did you know it's interesting i don't think i've talked to anybody about that before but i did i did a production for a year toured it a couple of places, had a residency, like, and, you know, you didn't exactly say this, so I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the, the idea of making it like the first time, mm. right? Like having to, after you've done it 200 times, yeah, that old, you know, I mean, it's like an obvious old time, stereotypical direct, like say it like it's the first time or whatever, but like actually having to do that so much, I think in a weird way, even when you start talking about film and television and you're, you're not doing it 200 times over the course of a year, but sometimes you're doing it 25 times in the span of an hour. Mm -hmm. And that idea of having to do that, I, I, I never really was thinking about that, but that is a, a really good lesson, right? Yeah, it really is. And, uh, and you know, it's, Sometimes it starts off just being luck it, it, when I was, you know, like, oh, tonight I'm for some reason more into it than I was last mm. night, you know, and that's when I started to, that's when you start to think about it, the right. mechanics of it. Yeah. You get back to New York. Now, at this point, you're a serious Shakespearean actor. Yeah. And then you get involved with what was at the time, this little improv group. UCB Upright Citizens Brigade. How did mm -hmm. you how did you discover this group and why as a serious actor did you did you pursue wanting to do stuff with them? That's a good question. Uh you know, I first of all, I mean, I, I realized the one thing I wasn't doing well, the one thing I wasn't taught in college, it was just seemed to be a crapshoot, was auditioning. And so I learned how to audition by, I taught myself by just going out over and over and over again. And I, you know, got my 10,000. I was auditioning for everything in backstage. And hmm. one of them just happened to be a, a sketch group. You know, I, okay. I, I'd be a performance artist in, in <laughs> Berlin right now if, if it worked out a different way. I, right. I uh, just happened to be a sketch group. And then, then that, when I got into the sort of comedy scene and, or at least got a view of it, cause we were pretty outside this sketch group, the UCB were just starting to gain prominence. They were just starting to teach classes. They were starting their takeover. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe they had taught one class of students. And I, and I, I thought I was under the impression that it was Andy Richter sketch group. Okay. <laughs> so I went and saw an ASCAT 
which is their was their weekly show. And uh, Andy Richter happened to be performing, so I don't know uh, <laughs> when I stopped believing it was his. <laughs> but um, you know, then I got in. I got into a class at the very. It's the only thing I've gotten in on the ground floor of. Okay. You know, when they were the 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 four original UCB guys are still teaching classes in a five story walk up ballet studio in in Manhattan, and I just stuck with it. I I, I loved it. I was terrified of it. You know, okay. improv, improv still terrifies me to this day. I was doing it for the 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 skill to to learn this skill to be comfortable for confidence and for like you know, and also for the community. I made a lot of great friends there, and mm-hmm. we then branched out and did other things, as you know. Yeah, you 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 said it it terrifies you. Yeah, Are, do you? There's no there's no lines, Brian. <laughs> Yes, you gotta, I know. you gotta make them up. I know. <laughs> yes, and that's terrifying. It's stupid. Shakespeare's got all planned out for you. Right. You just follow the map, mm-hmm. and you're gonna get, and you're gonna get there. That's right. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. So I have, by the way, zero improv training, uh-huh. and it sounds like much like you, I stayed on the serious theater track longer. But I, you know, so I was doing comedy. I was doing dramatic role. I was doing different stuff. I never did improv. I never. Yeah. Yeah. I never studied it. I didn't take the classes. And I don't know if that maybe for me is why I don't find it as challenging somehow. Oh, yes. That is exactly why. Because you don't, you haven't been in a position where you've had to think about it too much. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like now I, I, I feel like, cause people are saying like, oh, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to improv. Yeah. I don't have, I don't, I, I'm like, no. okay. No, great. that's fine. I also want to set. It's yeah. a little bit more safe, different, right? Yes. Cause it's really just like, you're just trying to find something. And, and also you sometimes go in with a couple things. You got a couple ideas, which don't, you would never do in improv. Don't try to act like, you know, me. Oh, you do. That Come I've, on, Brian. Everybody knows. You're like, oh, I'm going to improvise this and I'm going <laughs> to improvise that. Uh, but even like oh, going in, you're just, that's kind of easy. Like just because you're just playing the scene right. uh, that that is written. Actually, you're that's a, good, a different version. Yes. Actually, that's a really good point yeah. because I, because it's, it is for me and I do, you know, I, I'm not going to say I write a book on my character or, you know, have a fully developed, you know, history or whatever, but I, I begin to understand who that character is. Mm -hmm. And once you know, if you're given a situation, which is improv, but along with that, given a character who has these certain characteristics, it all begins to fill in much, much And you know what the scene is about. You've already memorized the lines the actual scene. So you know what the scene is about. You know what the game is. Yes. So basically you're just you're just subbing in things or or adding jokes that the writers might have missed. Yes. You're just trying to make it a little bit better, you know? And usually it you know, it's it's not as good, but sometimes right. it is. When when you start working with those guys, you also created your own sketch comedy group, The Naked Babies. You spent a couple of years with Third Rail Comedy, 
I mean, at this point, do you feel like, and this is kind of a weird question, but do you feel like your, your career, your focus is now fully changed yeah. to this? Yes. Yeah. Um, I still had, there was still this part of me that wanted that, well, maybe I'll go back to the theater someday, but, but I'm doing comedy now. This is, I have found what I do best. Okay. I have, I have once again lucked into this sort of, uh, uh, I found the end of the maze, but you know, nowadays, like I was always, I always still harbored a dream that I, I would be on Broadway someday. Okay. Now that it's maybe even a possibility, I could probably, you know, if I right. made myself, you know, really worked at it, I but I, I don't, boy, oh boy, I, I would dread that. <laughs> it's, it's so hard. Right. <laughs> Who's got time for Broadway? It's like, it's so much work. It's so much work. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it, you know, and that was what it was for me. I mean, the, the eight shows a week you have off on Monday. Nobody has Monday off. Like, what do you, you know, that the life is, yeah. is very, is very it's difficult. Dismal. Oh my God. 2001, you got, what you hoped would be your first big break. This is what I was told a commercial with carrot top. Uh, what do you remember <laughs> about that? You remember? Yeah. I, I don't know. It was definitely my first big on, you know, television network commercial. And so by break, I guess it was a break in terms of just cash. Like this thing was going to go out there and I was going to be able to quit my, one of my day jobs, and and live as an actor actually right. be an actor and make money at it so i did this and it was a care and yeah i did a 1-800-CALL-ATT uh, commercial okay. in which uh and then about a month later 9-11 happened so it ran for about a week 9-11 happened and they pulled the commercial because in the commercial, Carrot Top hijacks a tour bus in New York. <laughs> no. Yeah. So that went away. <laughs> okay. It didn't end up being uh, what you had hoped. No. Oh, so I guess what your next question is, I'll answer. Yes, I am a victim of 9-11. Oh, my. That's oh, bad. Rob. Don't. No, that's, stop it. it's too soon. Rob, is this too soon? I don't know. It's definitely off. Uh, it's definitely tasteless. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.
The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at zen.com. That's zyn.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You get an audition for The Daily Show in 2002. Were you a fan of the show? Huge fan. I used to watch it. I was a huge fan from the Craig Kilborn days, too. Okay. You were an early... Okay. Yes. You know, and I got that show. I got it. I understood it. And so when I got this audition, and it was through a friend, I just kind of lucked into that audition as well. And 
I was like, I can, I know I can do this. I can do this well. And I worked my ass off on that audition. You did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you, I, like, did, did, do you feel like you started to create that character that you were going to be even when you No, no. Th see, that's the thing. Everybody. I, and I love that, that people watching the show have an impression that we go in there with a character in mind, you know, cause Colbert, I guess did to the, to the extent that he was copying stone Phillips at the yes. time. But we, it's really just like, I, I was my character, if I could call it, that was everybody's character newscaster. It was, it was okay. a newsman. It was on the spot, Johnny on the spot. And, uh, I, and, and if anything, I was, uh, imitating Colbert. Right. <laughs> you know, people would come to me like jo Jason Jones and Nate Cordry, my brother got cast on the show and they both came to me separately and said, how did you choose your character? How did you, how did you decide what your character is going to be? And I was like, D -d -d don't, don't, you're thinking too hard about this. Just copy Colbert and then it'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> I still have to this day, this is not about you. I don't know why I'm saying that I still have the, I won't close it because I want to be able to find it again when I'm talking to somebody about it. But the um, responsible drinking thing with Carell and him from back in the day, I still have that. So oh, I have I the daily show on I'll my phone. I'll write that down, responsible drinking. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. It's, it's yeah, Steve right, really goes and drinks. Oh, I have seen that. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's so interesting that you bring up Colbert because I think that, you know, one, uh, if I may say, based on me not being an expert at all, but I feel like it makes a lot of sense. You're, I don't know, I don't even know how you would describe what he's doing, but it is in a lot of ways the same characteristic. It, dim-witted naivete with expert put on the top or something yeah, like that? That's exactly right. Um, okay. what, what we thought of ourselves yes. as is the, the dumbest guys in the room who thought they were the smartest. Yes. So that's exactly what you said, basically. Uh, um, yeah. yeah we, we thought we knew everything and we knew nothing. What was it like working on the show? Positive? It was great. I mean, I, it was great. It was so funny. I, I remember it was a job, you know, we went in every day and it was a lot of work. Uh, but I remember one day I shared an office with Ed Helms and, um, who, okay, your sorry, buddy, sorry. your buddy, yeah. <laughs> uh, I shared an office with Ed and he, we were both like complaining about something about it, you know, oh, I got stuck in Montreal and uh, doing this, the, this field piece. And uh, John gave us a lot of notes. We got to go through it all again and write a whole new thing and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, Ed stopped us. Ed stopped. He goes, you know what? We're going to look back on this experience. <laughs> he had the foresight to, right. to think this way. And thank God for him. He said, uh, you're, we're going to both look back on this experience and we're not going to remember this stupid stuff right. of being stressed out about notes or whatever. We're, we're only going to remember the positive, the wonderful, you know, experience that it was. And it, and it really is. Uh, he's so right. That was the one time Ed Helms was right. <laughs> the one time he was right ever. He was, yeah. Wrong about everything. Very wrong. <laughs>
in his life. How did Jon Stewart influence your comedy or your perspective? Oh, God, it's so hard to describe succinctly he because he's not teaching when he's doing notes and stuff he's it's at first very confusing his notes are sometimes abstract and you really have to think about them and but i realized the result you get the result that he approves you then realize how to basically and in a john way construct a joke and constructing a joke is something after five years of comedy I had never thought about. Okay. And actual joke construction, it being a mechanical thing. And, you know, I would say John never went out, you know, set out to teach us that, but that's, I think, what I learned. Hmm. What, uh, I don't think I've ever talked to Ed about this. And Ed and I went to high school together, by the way. I don't oh, know I knew you. that. Yeah. I knew that. Yeah, that's crazy. Were you watching the news as a part of your job when you oh, were Brian, Brian, I, yeah, I, at one point was in so deep. I had two, I was watching two C-SPANs at once. <laughs> C-SPAN one and C-SPAN two, which by the way, John Stewart himself calls the security camera of news. Right. Like that's, that's how deep I was. Uh, you had to, I mean, you just had to be up on everything and you don't want to get a script and be like, what is a, what is it? Debt canceling. What is all this about? Right. Right. You know, and to also write your help, write your pieces. It's, it's a imperative. And also you get into it. You, you want to watch the news. Right. That ended when I left the daily show. <laughs> you left the daily show. Yeah. You were no longer sc scouring Fox news and well, it, CNN it, and MSNBC. It ruined it for me too, because you know, the, people think that the daily show is like a, a satire of politics, but it's more a satire of the media itself of news itself. And that's right. I just, I can't, I still to this day have a hard time watching 24 hour news. Right. Uh, They've they're doing a lot better than they used to do. Like Jake Tapper, uh, I think is fantastic. And he he actually said to me in 2004, he said, uh, I got I wish we could do what you guys do. And I was like, I said what I said, say when whenever a news person said that to me, which was always I said, you can't. You can't. You just do it. Yeah. You know what? It, and now he now they do. They show like those they videos do. where they'll show us somebody saying one thing and then contradicting themselves in the next cut. And, uh, you know, if if the <laughs> Daily Show has had any influence on anything, I guess it's that little thing. Still unwatchable, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've talked to Ed about this. I've talked to Riggle, a few other people. When you left, why did why did you leave? Oh, I left because. I got cast in a show, uh, uh, Seth MacFarlane's first live action sitcom. Okay. Which, sure thing, right? <laughs> right. I'm already counting my money. I'm buying a golden helicopter with that money. And, <laughs> and uh, so I just, I moved my family. That's why I left and, okay. and moved to LA. You had, yeah, you had to, that. To do well, that. You should have you should have listened to Ed. See, Ed chose the show that had just won the Emmy 
a month well, before he started. Yeah. And he knew that was going to be around for a while. I did. Yeah. I, um, I, yeah, that was a good move. Yeah. I, I guess I missed, Ed didn't tell me that there was a sign up sheet for the office. Uh, I would love to have been on that. I did audition for Parks and Rec. You did? I did. Yeah. I auditioned for uh, Nick Offerman's character. Oh, okay. And uh, so glad I didn't get it. Are you? Oh, yeah. I think I did a pretty okay. good audition, too. But okay. I, I'm so glad because he he made that iconic. No, he, yeah. He iconic. Crushed he crushed that. Um, so when I heard you moved to L.A., the Seth MacFarlane show doesn't doesn't go. No. Six. And, six then, and then 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 the writer's strike. Yeah. Happens. Oh, yeah. Um, but I not to bring that up again, that was a difficult time for everybody. Oof. But I heard that you decided to use this opportunity to be very productive and you adopted the GTD system, getting yeah. things done. Talk to me a little about that. Yeah, or sort of a modified way, a GTD. It was okay. Uh, one for the more modern age. I, I spent my time because I had nothing to do uh, work-wise, I spent my time learning how to be more productive. Okay. And I was just looking, just Googling methods of, of, of that, just product, literally Googling productivity. Really? And eventually okay. I found, and I would do this for eight hours a day. I eventually discovered this guy named Merlin Mann, who was a sort of tech guy who had adopted GTD and sort of like modified it for a more modern tech world. And in his stuff really, I don't know, it just spoke to me. I'm a list guy. Okay. I, I like making lists. Yes. Uh, you know, that feeling when you when you have a lot to do and so you write it all down and then you feel like you've done something. Yeah. <laughs> already. <laughs> yes. I, I love that. I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what GTD fosters, essentially. I mean, okay, yeah, fascinating. I I wish that I did it more. I when I get incredibly, oh, I don't know that I do it for efficiency. Really, I will do it when I get completely and totally overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. Like right now, I'm in the span of. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think this is like my fifth city in like the last two and a half weeks and suddenly trying to pack. And then, you know, you're laying in bed at night and you're like, well, what's the weather in Atlanta in November? Oh, and I'm like, oh, I don't know. I know. And it, it just becomes like literally like <laughs> check the weather, weather. Do I need sweater? Like all of that stuff. My point is I, I do feel really good when I make the list and then I start crossing yeah. the stuff off. Yeah. The other thing about all that, I'm sorry, did I interrupt you? No, no. Oh, the other thing about all that is that it was for creativity as well. It, it was GTD. The whole idea behind that system was to basically ways in which you can get everything out of your head and onto something physical to be, to be organized later at a later date. But everything's just out of your head. So, you know, if you, when you have that thing, you're walking out the door and you're like, oh God, I got to remember to do that thing with so-and-so. Mm -hmm. Now, and then it, no matter how low stakes that thing with so-and-so is, it's stressing your brain right? to have it in there. To just write it down, have an inbox of meaning a note 
book, a, a, you know, a phone to like write it down, get it out of your head. It frees and it freed up my mind for ideas and creativity. I felt creative in a time where I was not doing anything creative. Right. And it was, uh, it, it definitely changed my life. Well, you might've just changed mine. Cause I, uh, one, it makes a hell of a lot of sense to me. And two, I know what happened. I know the end of the story. Your mind got uh, free yes. uh, to be creative and you create a brilliant web series way ahead of its time, Children's Hospital. Now, for those of you listening now, web series then th was not the same as now. Yeah, we weren't we didn't we didn't have all of the, the myriad options and choices and and platforms that are available now. What what made you decide to launch the show in the way that you did, which was essentially independently online? Well, because, you know, it the type of show that it was and I which I describe it as sort of just a, like a joke machine gun. OK, uh, <laughs> it's, you know it's just so many jokes a, se a minute that you can only handle about 15 minutes of this. Okay. So it was a shorter show and I just didn't, I couldn't picture that show being on television. I just okay. couldn't picture it. So, you know, this was at a time when due to the writer's strike, all these studios were launching uh, these web series studios, these arms of their, right. you know, and, and Warner brothers had one. And so we pitched it. I pitched it to a friend and, and got David Wayne involved. And, and we, we went to Warner brothers and, and they wanted to do it. So we just did a 10 episode season one, but I wanted it to look like it was a TV show. Right. You know, F from the beginning. Yes. Yes. You brought in a bunch of your old pals from UCB describe the writer's room to me and trying to create a show that was machine gun jokes. The writer's room looked a lot like my office here that you're looking at right now. Uh, okay. This was just me. It was just me. The writer's room was just me. Season oh, it was one. just you. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, okay. and we didn't get a writer's room, a formal writer's room until season six. Around season, I think probably the second season, which was on Adult Swim, sort of the internet of television, we started farming out episodes to people that we liked, funny people, the funny writers and actors, and and then we would sort of rewrite them and and do that. We that was our writers' room was kind of virtual, but it was never a it wasn't a group of people together in a room until season six. Okay. Because season five killed me. <laughs> okay. okay. Speaking of Adult Swim, what was what were your feelings? What was that like when, even though you call it the internet of the networks or whatever you said, yeah, when when Adult Swim wanted to put it on, onto television? Oh, it's great, man. Uh, okay. I, I yeah, I had no, I, I never intended it to be on television I I, okay. I never I, you know but I also wasn't against it I just never I wasn't thinking about it and I don't remember whether they came to us or whether John my uh, producing partner had and the co -ex my executive producer had the idea and just had a conversation with somebody and decided we, so we anyway we ended up pitching it to Comedy Central and Adult Swim 
and Adult Swim was just very obviously a, a better fit for this show. Mm-hmm. It was already sort of an Adult Swim show. Right. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zinn is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zinn won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zinn. Find your Zinn online or in a store near you at zinn.com find. That's zyn.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure... It kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. 
We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. During its its lifespan, incredibly inventive, you did a bunch of, of conceptual things. I am told that in addition to the 1981 movie Arthur, another huge influence for you early on was Twin Peaks. Do you think oh, Twin yeah. Peaks inspired? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. The answer is yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let's see. And and to that end, I wanted, I in my head was creating this whole mythology around Children's Hospital in the way that David Lynch and Mark Frost do with Twin Peaks. I wanted there to be a reason why everything was wrong here in this place, in this, why things didn't work like the life we lead here uh, in, in normal life. I, and of course, you know, it's too much. It's too, it's, it's, I was thinking about it a little too much, but I, I did manage to do it in certain regards, but I, uh, mostly it still exists just in my head, the mythology, uh, the universe of children's hospital. But, you know, we, we did definitely expand it with the behind the scenes characters. Every, every season we did an episode of, uh, uh, newsreaders, they they would like a 60 minutes that would do a show uh, do an episode on the actors involved with the show children's hospital the longest running hospital show of all time right and uh so we already we sort of just expanded it out that way and then later on with medical police you uh you said that your goal on the show was to write the perfect joke yeah did you ever do that no i don't know <laughs> I don't know. What, what was the clo- what was the closest? Oh god. It's, oh, it's so hard cuz it's like I said there was just so many I mean jo- good or bad there was just a quantity of jokes. Oh, jokes. Okay. <laughs> you know? Fair. Um, uh, I can't I I don't know. I don't know. Okay. No, that's fair. I don't that's know. fine. That's fine. <laughs> can I get that's back fine. to you? Yeah, you can get back to me. You you take home four Emmy oh, awards. I got it. Okay. No, no, it's not a perfect joke. Sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) You, uh, you take home four Emmy awards. It becomes a huge success in, in Hollywood, whatever that means and beyond. Were you surprised by the reaction to the show? Oh yeah. I mean, this, this stupidest show on TV and people (laughs) were calling it smart. Uh, I still think that's ridiculous, but yeah. Emmy awards. I mean, that's bonkers. It's awesome. This was like a a thing to do while the writers 
were striking and you couldn't do anything except for right. one series. I, I, yeah, I don't, yeah, it was just still to this day, obviously, I'm getting tongue tied because I can't really wrap my head around it. As this show is continuing, your film career starts taking off. Notably, I don't know if that even means anything, but it does because I'm going to ask you two questions about it. Notably, the 2010 Hot Tub Time Machine movie, I, I'm told this movie was written for you. Oh. Is that uh, true? I don't know. I'm not sure. I never heard okay. that. Uh, I know that it was written. It was a joke. Right. It, the, the writing the movie itself was a bit. Yes. The it guys, felt that way. Yeah. The guys, um, all actually all the producers of um, Karate Kid, the TV show, the Netflix show, they all went to college together. And uh, one of them is the writer of Hot Tub. And they used to joke about pitching a show or a TV, a movie called Hot Tub Time Machine. You know, they were, they were like, cause it's ridiculous. I did yes. a dumb idea. And then one of them actually did it. <laughs> he just, he was like, eh, let's just keep this bit going. <laughs> what was it? What was it like working with Craig Robinson? Oh, so good, man. I just talked to him the other day. He's the oh, sweetest guy. I, I, is. you know, he's, uh, it was his birthday last week. And I texted yeah. him and the, he said, thanks, man. And the second thing out of his mouth was, how are the kids? Like he, he's just such a sweet, sweet guy. Yes. And by the way, my, I told my kids that they're thrilled, <laughs> thrilled. I was, they were like, I met Craig. I was like, yeah, you were like a tiny person, but you, yeah, you've met Craig a couple of <laughs> times. And they're like, I met somebody from the office. I was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You met Ed Helms, too, I'm sure. But. Uh, right, right. Oh, he doesn't count. <laughs> nah. Uncle Eddie. Um, you also then get cast on HBO's Ballers. Is this part of the reason you decided to end Children's Hospital? You got, there was so much going on for no. you. That that no. even the GTD system couldn't, couldn't keep up. <laughs> no, no, because, you know, the, um, I wrote a lot of, children's hospital uh on the road from different places uh we were able to put that show together from you know different places with just google docs is the best thing ever invented but uh right, right i no i i we sort of structured that show this show was like a summer camp that all our famous funny friends could come and do and it's not we don't we we would love it if they had you know made it a priority but we never said like we we understand that this can't be your this is not a money maker for you <laughs> right this is this is something you do for fun let's create an environment full of funny people that that love each other you know that was my mo and and so but then that went for me too like i was was able to do other stuff the thing was is that i uh i got tired i did i didn't see an end to it and I sort of subscribed to the Seinfeld idea, the Seinfeldian idea that uh, Seinfeldian, I guess, is now a philosophy. <laughs> we can say that, uh, that, you know, you want something, you, you don't know it, but you do want something to end before it's run its course in a way. You don't, you don't want it to peter out. And that show was so important to me that that, that was sort of my philosophy is that like we've, we've done it. 
I want to do right now for, for a span of time. I just want to be an actor. I love writing and, and producing, but, but I just want to want to do that for a little bit and, and right. uh, not have to worry about going home from set on ballers and writing a whole episode of children's hospital. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that was really it. I mean, just get out while it's still hot. How was, uh, I want to talk about ballers just a little bit. You played the financial manager for the sports stars. I am a huge, now are you a sports fan? Yeah. I'm a football fan. I'm a football fan. I'm a fair weather baseball fan. Uh, what was it like working with the rock and working on that show with obviously it featured so many oh my ath- God. athletes. I know it's so crazy. Yeah. Uh, it's so crazy because football is my sport. And, uh, it, it, the people I w- would run it, uh, you know, like, uh, Victor Cruz and, and, and Terrell Suggs, like were on the show almost as much as a regular cast member. And that it would just to become familiar with guys like that was amazing. Yeah. And I hate them so much because they're good. Right. Like, right. Suggs is like, he's a better improviser than I am. <laughs> he just doesn't know what cut means. Right. right. It just keeps going. <laughs> it keeps going. <laughs> yeah. Even, uh, even as you're having lunch, it's just the same. Yeah. yeah. It keeps going. Did you feel like this was a, a, a step in a new direction for you and your um, career? I wasn't sure at the time when I was doing it because it was sort of, it was a half hour show. So I guess I thought of it as a comedy on the outset because I was also sort of the comic relief. Yeah. Uh, so I was in my wor- little world, I was doing a comedy, but it be- did. Yeah. It, I realized gradually that if this was a different thing for me. Yeah. Fun to, to do that. Super fun. Very challenging. The uh, because it was a different world. I had worked for so long in worlds that I created or worlds that felt sort of insular and I knew everybody and it was comedic. And this was this was like uh, the Hollywood machine, man. And right. uh, very, very uh, educational and and getting to watch the, the rock work and, and watch how he gets things done is was awesome. And yeah, it was uh it was a great thing, very very difficult, but in the best way. Yeah, your energy on that show and what you brought to that show, I I just always really uh really admired and was oh. uh, yeah, I I just I I loved it. I was a fan Thank of the you. show. I'm, you know, I've worked myself in 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 sports in various capacities as well and I I just thought, yeah, I thought you were uh, spectacular and, well, thanks. and, and, and seeing you begin to turn as the show did, it was awesome. So yeah, there you go. Thank that's you the, very that's much. The, that's the only nice. I thing really I enjoyed say. playing that character, you know, cause the, the sky was the limit. They let me do it. I will go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I and think you at did. one point and that's I improvised, what was cool. I improvised that I had tried crack. <laughs> I think it's in the show. I don't remember where they kept that. Yeah, I think it is. Why yes. not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> um, recently, I hear you. This is a this is a, a a very big thing for you. I would be so far out of my element. 
<laughs> I was told for years you planted your love of cars in yeah. interviews. And now as one of the hosts of Top Gear America, was this a con- a, con- a conscious strategy you yeah. have or you just love cars? Yeah. I mean, this was a conscious strategy in that I wanted to... I wanted to be one of those guys, one of those actors that car companies sent cars to for a weekend. <laughs> okay. I wanted to get a Ferrari dropped off at my house for four days, right. uh, you know, for with no obligation. Right. And, and so I, that's exact. I made it, I made a very conscious, <laughs> conscious effort to mention my love of cars in, uh, in the media. And it happened once, but it was, it was stupid. It was a lame car. A Camry? No, it was a, um, I don't remember. It was this, one of those electric cars. By the way, I love Camrys. I, that was, no, I would just. Oh, you do? That's what I, no. Oh, what, are you sponsored by Camrys? No, no, I don't know. But if we ever need that sponsorship, yeah, I sure. don't want. What I about just, Nissan? Nissan Maxima is a far better, or Altima is a far better car. But uh, anyway. All right. We, I could go off on. Yes. Testing the limits of these cars has been fun for you. Yeah, you love and this myself, job? man, because I, I would, I feel just as out of my element. I was cast as the one of the three guys. I'm the, I'm the guy, sort of the audience, the voice right. of the audience. I'm the enthusiast. I've never, I had never driven on a track before. Uh, no. I, I don't know. Uh, I didn't know about the mechanics of cars or. I wasn't an encyclopedia of automobiles, but you know, I sort of rounded out the group in that way. So it was, it added a fun dynamic, but it was also to the show, but I, I was terrified all the time there. We did some crazy stuff, dude. I can't, I can't, I did the, you know, what do you call it? You know, started the NASCAR thing one time and rode in the, in the pace car. Oh, neat. Terrifying. Was it? Terrifying. I mean, the pace car, how fast did it go? I don't know, but he said, you want to go, you want to open it up a little bit? Yeah. And I just remember hearing the crowd oh, going yeah. crazy as you're going around. And the engine, right? And, and the, the engine, it's so loud. You can't even that. stand it. I want that. As I play, I can play that to go to sleep to that okay. engine noise. <laughs> love it. You love it. Dude, I, I, I am such a big fan of yours. I so appreciate uh, you spending some time with me. Is there anything else you want uh, listeners to be looking out for? Um, no, uh, Top Gear is still, uh, I believe it's running right now. Uh, right the, now. The, both seasons on the Motor Trend app, and probably on the Motor Trend network, but it's not, that's not available everywhere. We're working right now to get better, get more money to, to broaden, to expand it a little bit. But uh, what am I? No, I'm not doing a thing. You got anything? I'll do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give What's you a What's this job in Atlanta? I'll do it. Tell them I'll do it. Can't talk about it. Ah, come on, man. Can't talk about it. All right. Well, have you ever have you ever heard the phrase material breach of contract? Material that was told to me breach. last I week. I love that band. You're doing a video for material <laughs> breach of contract? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Rob. I appreciate it. I, oh, whatever you. you do next, I, I'm in. I'm full in on you. Oh, well, I you are such a, a lovely guy. Um, thank you for letting me do this and thank you for having this podcast. I love, these are my favorite kinds of podcasts. It's just, we're just, I, this is just talking. I, I, and you're very good at it. So, so, oh, um, 
Thanks Stop for uh, having me. Stop it. I, I appreciate it. And, uh, and, and we'll do it again. Um, no, I'm not available. Okay. I'll be in Atlanta. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Can't tell you why. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Rob. Wow. Thank you so much for joining me today. That was incredible. I, I'm going to spend the next couple of days thinking about what little morsels I'd like to feed the media. Not a bad idea, my friend. Not bad at all. And to my listeners, thank you for joining me on this beautiful Tuesday or whatever day you're listening. Time is weird in the world of podcasts. <laughs> Am I right? I'm going to be back next week with another fantastic conversation. Let's see. Do I have any hints for you? How about they have been both royalty and a teenage heartthrob? Mm-hmm. Yes. We'll see you next week. Off the Beat is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Ling Lee. Our senior producer is Diego Tapia. Our producers are Liz Hayes, Hannah Harris, and Emily Carr. Our talent producer is Ryan, Papa Zachary, and our intern is Sammy Katz. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by the one and only Creed Bratton. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on I'm this. Go there. <laughs> People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in exactly. to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy. Yeah. Right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. 
David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.